bollocks. Hello and welcome back to One Classical. Welcome back everyone. Welcome back to episode two of The Murder of Roger Ackroyd. Do you remember where we were last week, Katie? Oh, I'm Marsha. I'm Katie. Yeah, Katie, do you remember where we were last week? Put me on the spot. Wow, we'd met... Poirot? We'd met Poirot. I think at he, this point we still think he's Mr. Porrot. Mr. Porrot. He's just been twatting Marrows over the head. Yeah, I was going to say, he threw a marrow over the head and was like, I am sorry. <laughs> My apologies. I realise I didn't voice it last week, but you might have noticed that I've um, modelled his accent off the little crab in Finding Nemo. He is clean. <laughs> Jacques. Finding Nemo. That went yeah. in as um, The Little Mermaid and I was like, <laughs> Yeah, I was like, you're not fucking Sebastian because Sebastian's Jamaican. So I was just like looking at you like, what the fucking high crap are you on? What the fucking high crab are you on? What the fuck are you talking about? I was just like, no. Anyway, yes, yes. Uh, the French crab from um, Jacques. Him. Jacques. He's um, clean. He's clean. Jacques, stop cleaning. I am ashamed. Uh, I'm ashamed. <laughs> That's funny who you based yeah, that on. Literally. Yeah, um, But yeah. Wait, so, so, Poirot or Jacques? <laughs> We've um, met him. He was throwing marrows around and he was very ashamed. He was. Um, and then we went to the man with the sun. Uh, <laughs> Roger Atacroyd. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's like his name should be important. Uh, <laughs> his, they went over to his house, the um, the doctor, yeah. who isn't Poirot. Poirot yeah. is supposedly a hairdresser because he has a moustache. <laughs> yes. um, they went over to his for dinner mm. and the maid just left a room but there'd been like a weird noise in there yeah. and uh, she was supposed to have a sore knee but she came out of breath as if she'd been running yeah, yeah. and um, the doctor was like and she was like all like oh I didn't realise you were coming for dinner and the doctor was like oh my god why is she being angry about this like I'm so important it's like no it's because she hasn't fucking set a place for you fucking idiot <laughs> um, but then he's gone in and he's established that's like a glass cabinet that made yeah, the noise yeah like a silver table that opens up we also met Ralph didn't we Roger's stepson so, and he'd been in the forest with mystery girl mm-hmm. he's supposedly meant to marry basically his Flora, cousin yeah um but when he was off with Fauna um, <laughs> we don't know who he was off with and the doctor's um wife slash sister <laughs> um was like overheard everything but she yeah. doesn't know who the other girl who was the other girl other was. than she wasn't a barmaid she wasn't a barmaid and we had that other meeting when the doctor went to go see Ralph didn't we didn't yeah, we? What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What happened with that? I remember reading that. Um, I'm like, did I just read this in the notes for this week? Or no, no, I'm sure I read it last week. Um, so uh, Ralph was just kind of like, I've got to play a lone hand. Oh, now, yeah. Doctor. He was like, don't be suspicious. Don't, don't be, be suspicious. suspicious. Like, he's got like major problems going on. Obviously, we know in the woods he was talking about having financial issues and having to keep his stepfather sweet. And that he now he said he can't include the doctor in whatever he's planning because he's got to play a lone hand. <laughs> You don't seem sus at all. Not at all. So, at the moment, the doctor is still in the room, like, with the silver table thing. And then we spoke about Flora coming in, didn't we? And mm-hmm. he was like, what a, a nothing beats the real deal in English Oh, yeah, he was blondie. disgusting. He was like, yeah. mm, she's the real deal. Yeah. I'd like to butter her biscuit <laughs> if you know what I mean. Yeah. Oh, it was more like a doctor thing, but she even makes it even worse. Like, I'd like to give her a decent examining kind of vibe. Like, ah! And as no. we all know, if a woman went to the doctors back in them days, mm. you'd probably just bring her, her off. Yeah. So that's probably what it was. Sort her like, mm, I'd like to cure your hysteria. Sorry, who are you? So, Sorry, hi, I'm Flora and you are Pervy McPherson? Yeah, yeah, 
except with Flora kind of likes him. Oh, fuck. Yeah. No, no, she doesn't. Sorry, I'll get into that. I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, was she's, Flora she just right. being polite and I was like, yeah. well, you clearly fancied him once fuck. Like, <laughs> no, all I said was good afternoon. I'm literally basing this on the fact that Flora hasn't tried, she doesn't try and shank him at any point in the book that I remember. So, but just because someone doesn't try and shank you, neither does that mean they like you. <laughs> That's why I've been basing it on my entire life. Like, I think everyone's really keen on me. Why? Well, no one's tried to kill me yet. Yeah? Yes, yeah, so I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Do do right. Do to be fair, when you're having a low day, these are the little things you can remember. Exactly. If, if someone has attempted to murder you, you can't have that one. I'm no, afraid. no, no. I'm very sorry. Oh, Rachel's tried to kill me loads of times. Oh, so I'm pretty think... sure Tom's tried to kill you. Come on. Oh, that's true. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm outside All right, the I mean, family. Like, that's just family doesn't count. <laughs> yeah. Whose family hasn't tried to kill them? Exactly. God. Should we open a second podcast? It's just sort of like family drama. <laughs> yeah, people listening like that did not happen in your family. I must have said on the podcast, I must have said, I, I saw I work in a college and someone's saying to me like, this might be disturbing, but um, so just to prepare yourself, this might be quite disturbing. And I was like, mm. all right. And it's like, so um, a child, uh, a student, Sorry, I don't know if I should say this. I'm not I guess saying names. Trigger warning for you guys, but yeah. I mean, we thought this was but, but basically, average um, turn of events. A, a student had a knife in front of her parents, um, and they were like, "Sorry, that's probably quite traumatic." And I was like, "Sounds like a Tuesday." Yeah, literally, no one in your family's ever pulled a knife yeah. before. Well, I had a conversation with someone about all the things that you know siblings have done to each other. I remember one guy I work was just sat there like. I once pushed my brother over. And I was like, yeah, you, you don't understand. Yeah, your, your, yours wasn't dysfunctional. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway. Anyway. So back to the book. That's for the next podcast. <laughs> yeah, so the spin-off. Um, killing with my family. Um, <laughs> Stabbings so... at the Babins <laughs> Stabbinses. Stabbinses. Okay, I'm sold. So maybe it'll be a patron special Stabbinses. So, this is gonna have a classical has a pretty niche audience. Stabbins is baggins is what does he have in his pockets? Stabbins, what does he have in his pockets? A knife. table like i think there's like a shoe that belonged to some king cool. and um there's that's uh, kind of cool <laughs> well this is the thing and they've also got the pen from the person that wrote mill on the floss i know i can't fucking remember who wrote it but anyway um don't know and, what it is <laughs> oh it's a, it's a classic you <laughs> should almost think given our uh, our podcast i should know yeah. and here i am i can't think he wrote it anyway um so anyway um and she kind of says like she doesn't understand why just because someone impressive wants to own a certain mm. object, why does that make the object interesting? If you like Mill on the Floss, don't have the author's pen, just go and fucking read Mill on the Floss. That's a very good point. Yeah. The only thing with, like, the shoe that belonged to a king, yeah. it's just because it's like, that is a real piece of history that's mm. interesting. It's yeah. like, you know, 
I mean, you know, a pot, a random pot from ancient mm. Egypt is interesting just because yeah. it's a real piece of it. It doesn't oh look like to hurt. So to. Um, I work in a museum and at Basing House, which was a Tudor house, mm. there is a piece of pottery and you can see the thumb mark from the potter <gasps> in it. So that's you can put your thumb so on a real cool. tube. So that's fucking cool. That is cool. That's fucking cool. That is cool. Right. But yeah, I agree <laughs> like the pen is in itself, mm. like just because of what it is, isn't cool. Yeah. But just from a history point of view, it's cool. Yeah, so anyway, this is the conversation I would have with Flora. <laughs> I'd be like, well, the thing is, Flora, it's very old. <laughs> so you know, it has historical significance. So from that point of view, it's cool. Mm-hmm. So, so Mrs. Ackroyd then comes in, who is uh, Flora's um, mammy. And um, this is the doctor talking about her. I'm sorry to say I detest Mrs. Ackroyd. She's all chains and teeth and bones. Ah! So I guess really skinny, but a lot of, um, um, I was going to say makeup, um, jewellery. She of jewelry. makes, oh, See, I mm. just imagined it basically like um, Robert Marley. <laughs> I'm Mrs. Ackroyd. Oh. Oh. Yeah, so that, I have that image in my head. The next bit makes sense it. then. A most unpleasant woman. <laughs> You're doomed, Ackroyd. Doomed for all time. <laughs> she has small, pale, flinty blue eyes. Yeah. And however gushing her words may be, yeah. those eyes of hers always remain coldly speculative. Yeah. Just to remind you, she's the one that sent the servants to their proper place yeah. and it sounded cold and lonely. Oh, I know we're being really niche this week, yeah. but I'm going to say it. If you haven't seen the ITV version of Oliver Twist, go oh, watch yeah. it. Andy Serkis plays Bill Sykes and it's really good. Yeah, But you know... Um, the lady who plays Oliver's dad's ex-wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Oliver's <clears throat> brother's mum. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that was an easier way to get that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine her to look like that because she's like obviously mm. very skinny and very like yeah. kind of quite scary looking with very pale blue mm. eyes. I'm sure she's a fantastic actress. No, but um, she, she, yeah, she'd be fucking haunting she was in this haunting. role. Oh my God, please, everyone, go watch ITV version of Oliver Twist. It'll be on something. Yeah, I think and it's on YouTube. And get on eBay, I'm sure, as a DVD. It's so it's good. It's worth it. It's really it's fucking so worth good. it. And I can't remember his name. Robert Lindsay who plays Fagan does he play Fagan? I, I think so yeah, yeah. he's, he's fucking good also fun fact yeah um Kira Knightley's in it oh, 14 God. at the time yeah and her dad is the producer and he seemed to okay for her to get off with a 34 year well yeah, I don't know they have so. a proper smooching scene yeah it's she's not right. 14 and the guy she's kissing is in his 30s it's disgusting poor Kira Knightley it's fucking disgusting like, go watch it it's great TV surely that's illegal well, am the, I gonna go on a register for watching it? <laughs> No, I think in this day and age, it 100% would be illegal. I yeah. think the only reason it must have been accepted is that her dad worked okay, on the production. Her dad gave her sexual consent. Yeah. Um, oh, it's so disgusting. Honestly, go. I really want to know what her relationship's like with her dad. <laughs> Kira Knightley, if you could let us know. Yeah. Right. Um, going uh, back to what the doctor's saying about Mrs. Ackroyd. I went across to her, leaving Flora by the window. She gave me a handful of assorted knuckles and rings to squeeze. And I began to talk volubly. God, for fuck's sake. (laughs) Women are too skinny. Women are too fat. Just let women be. Oh, sorry. She began to talk volubly. Had I heard about Flora's engagement? So suitable in every way. The dear young things had fallen in love at first sight. Such a perfect pair. He's so dark. Her so fair. I really thought you were going to say, he's so dull. (laughs) He's a dick. Savage. And Flora's a cancer. (laughs) That's match my name, isn't it? Yeah, I'm out of my bloody kitchen. It's all I want. So Mrs. Ackroyd then asks the doctor um, if he can go and talk to Roger about what Roger's financial plans are for Flora um, when she's married. Like, oh is my he gonna... God, that is not my job. Literally. It's like, is um, uh, Roger going to give Flora like a lump sum to go into married life with? And because the Doctor and Roger are such close friends, um, like, yeah, it's okay for Isn't him to bring it up. Isn't this disgusting? Like, yeah. Can you fucking imagine having to have this conversation? 
understand that. And what, what will your financial situation be once you're married? Like, is yeah. he going to how are you how is he going to pay for you? Like, yeah. I'll just probably pay my own way. Like, no, you're not allowed a job. It's improper. It's so disgusting. <laughs> um, the doctor is kind of like nodding on like, all right, all right. And the kind of in his mind going, um, I have no intention of doing that. Sounds fucking awkward. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And um, just as he's got sort of like, am I going to have to tell her I'm not going to do it? Major Blunt comes in. Is he blunt? I said blunt. <laughs> <laughs> Did say cut a minute ago though. Yeah, hang on again. <laughs> So is he um, really blunt though? He's kind. He, he, he doesn't say a lot. Um, he seems moody. Um, um, so Mr. Blunt is a Mr. H- Major Hector Blunt. Mr. Major. He's a Major <laughs> Heck. His, Heck he's and old, Blunt. <laughs> he's old friends. Sorry, his name is Major Heck and Blunt. <laughs> No wonder they invited him to the party. (laughs) So he's old friends with Roger and he spends his time travelling the world hunting and killing game. So that's just... What is game? Just animals. The bigger the better. Is that all it means? um, In this scenario, yeah. So What a sad little life. What a horrible life. And he comes to Fernley Park for about two weeks, once every two years or so, with a big head of some poor animal to put on the wall. I bet he feels really big and I bet his penis feels really big every time yeah. he shoots an animal that's big and dangerous from mm. really far away with a gun. I bet mm. that makes him feel really powerful. Really powerful. Pathetic little fuck. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. no longer happy they invited Heckin' Blunt. No, Heckin' Blunt, you can fuck off. Yeah. Um, the Doctor has always thought that their friendship, um, that Hector Blunt's and Roger's, is a little bit odd and a very odd dynamic. So just uh, putting that in there. Yeah, every guy... time he comes in, he just like sucks him off. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Every time he comes, he brings like a big head, puts it on the wall. It's just fucking weird. That is weird dynamic. Yeah. I'm like, oh, and you've got a boar head. Yes, as I, as I do. Oh. Like, hey. Okay. And they, yeah, it only stops in like once every two years and then stays like With two another weeks. Another fucking boar head. Like, yeah. We've been friends 20 years. This, it's piling up. <laughs> yeah, let's just got a few boar heads here. I'm I've got good. a bigger one. Right. I've bought an elephant head. Fuck what? Where's that fuck's that gonna go? <laughs> oh, it's a massive house. Well, anyway, Flora asks Blunt to come over to the table and to explain all these African things to her. Because um, Blunt has been, like, obviously to Africa because he's been killing everything there. And Blunt, ain't that the British way? Ain't that the British way? And Blunt has been described as a woman hater, but he goes quite happily to Flora's side. So that's just a little other dynamic going on there. Sorry. Can you fucking imagine being like, oh, I'm putting together a list to invite to my dinner party. Oh, <laughs> should we invite Blunt? Oh, sure, what's his game? Well, he shoots animals for fun and he hates women. <laughs> it doesn't sound like the funnest person to invite. Yeah, I think I might do without I think, that. I think we'll leave Blunt. Oh, yeah, to be fair, probably this wise. This dinner party fucking an, sucks, He might bring an way. elephant head if we, if we invite him like that. So no. the doctor, so um, Blunt's now gone away, who obviously was like a bit of a distraction about talking about the money side of things with mm. Mrs. Ackroyd. So um, he quickly like changes the subject before Mrs. Ackroyd can get back onto money. And then Parker comes in and announces it's dinner time and can everyone come through, please? Yes, please. So I just also just love how they're all waiting to have their dinner served every night like it's really pathetic like can you not do it yourself not really not really <laughs> just like my like fucking children it's so bizarre and then like the uh, people as well like, they're like wait to be dressed as well yes it's so weird you, i am um, it's a thursday no i have no idea what day it is but it's an Saturday? average night yeah like, it's i am um, when james were listening to this um story i can't remember what it's called sorry <laughs> but there's a character in it who's like all high mistress person mm. um and the plague comes and kills all her servants oh. um 
and she just doesn't know how to do fuck all for herself. So it's like for ages she um that's just really gross. She doesn't she hasn't showered in months because oh. she doesn't know how to turn the water and she doesn't know how to use all the different shampoos. She like battles into a dress because she doesn't know how to do it up to like she doesn't know how to do her hair and it's like all this stuff that she's just like there's also it's pathetic. An, it's pathetic. There's this really gross bit because she hasn't showered in months yeah. and someone kisses her and it's, <laughs> I mean, you know when like a man writes about teenagers making out and it's just pedo-y and gross. Yep, yep. It's that kind of vibe. It's like, her, she had like a sweet musky oh, cinnamon scent. No, she I was like, didn't, no, she, she didn't. She smelled of dirt. Uh, yeah, she had rotten egg breath. It was like, <laughs> it's, and it just turned my foot. Uh, and apparently she tasted really sweet and I was like, no one's mouth should taste sweet. That's disgusting. That's disgusting. Um, it was uh, meant to be like this romantic moment and I was like, I feel physically no, violated. I, uh, it's horrible. <laughs> but anyway, that's, um, that's that, what that's I do. That's, that's, uh, that's how I spend my evening. Yeah. Um, how about you? <laughs> So dinner is really awkward and there's definitely like a sombre tone amongst the guests. Um, it's almost as if someone was fucking dead earlier. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, literally. Um, I was like, he's not dead yet. Oh no, Mrs. Farrar's. Yeah, yeah. Mrs. She, Farrar's. She, she is dead. She's Mrs. dead. Mrs. Ferrari is dead. So mostly <laughs> suicide, which is very sad. Um, so yeah, immediately after dinner, Roger slips his arm through the doctor's and leads him to the study. Okay, 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 all right, boys. Oh, I see if he's taking a turn. So once Parker, the butler, brings in their coffee, Roger um, says he's asked Raymond, the secretary who we met last time, not I've to just dis- to give us some peace and quiet. Literally, he's like, I've asked Raymond not to disturb us. So Parker comes in and Roger starts chatting about some stomach complaint he's got, no, and that that's the doc- not sexy. <laughs> yeah, he's like, my boner is dead. I'm trying to start an orgy here. <laughs> God. So the doctor, and he's like, oh, and the doctor, you must give me some pills. And so obviously Parker eavesdropping thinks it's a medical reason they're mm-hmm. having a chat. So Parker um, goes to fetch the doctor's medical bag, which is in the hall. And whilst they're waiting for Parker to get back... Can you imagine, sorry, if you were a doctor or something, you go off of... Apparently this happens quite a lot going, <sighs> yeah. like, I've got a rash, can you take a look? No, I don't want to fucking see your ass. <laughs> he sent me, my mate sent me a video the other night. Mm. And it's funnier than it should have been. Um, but um, yeah, it's like this woman, and she was like, I've been trying for ages to see my doctor finally managed to get hold of him dropped my trousers i was like why have i got a rash all over my fanny and he just sighed and walked away i went to the next aisle at the supermarket <laughs> to be fair yeah. you don't take any of our bloody calls it's yes. gonna come to that it's gonna come to that please will you look <laughs> why don't you look why don't you just book an appointment oh i've oh. tried <laughs> oh i know where you live literally i'm in a bloody way anyway um so whilst they're waiting for parker to come back the uh, the roger roger asks the doctor to check if the window is shut completely um because he really really doesn't want to be overheard somewhat surprised i got up and went to it it was not a french window but one of the ordinary sash type the heavy blue velvet curtains were drawn in front of it but the window itself was open at the top parker re-entered the room with my bag whilst i was still at the window so um he's yeah Sorting that out. <laughs> he's, he's on. He's on. He's going to So Parker brings the bag in and then leaves again. Then, uh, what's his name? Roger starts talking. I'm in hell, he said slowly after a minute. No, don't bother with those damned tablets. I only said that for Parker. Servants are so curious. Come here and sit down. The door's closed too, isn't it? Yes. Nobody can overhear. Don't be uneasy. Shepherd. Nobody knows what I've gone through in the last 24 okay, hours. I'm a doctor, not a shepherd. <laughs> I have pills, not sheep. <laughs> if, a, if a man's house ever fell in ruins about him, mine has about me. This business was... Just doesn't... looks around. Seems pretty intact to me. <laughs> like, house is coming down. Can we please have this conversation outside? It's coming down. Run! <laughs> this business of Ralph's is the last straw. But we won't talk about that now. It's the other. The other. Oh, I don't know what to do about it. And I've got to make up my mind soon. 
What's the trouble? Ackroyd remained silent for a minute or two. He seemed curiously averse to begin. When he did speak, the squesh... The squestion? <laughs> the question he asked came as a complete surprise. It was the last thing I expected. Squestion. <laughs> that seems to be the squestion. <laughs> right, we're not expecting this line. Shepherd. You attended Ashley Farrar's in his last illness, didn't you? So Ashley Farrar's, Mrs. Farrar's, yeah. dead husband from alcoholism and whatever the fuck he's a gout. <laughs> Massive gas. Well, that does seem to be the question. <laughs> yes, I did. Is that your only question? <laughs> we do have any more questions. <laughs> he seemed to find even greater difficulty in framing his next question. His next question. I wonder why. Oh. <laughs> uh, did you never suspect? Did it never enter your head that, well, that he might have been poisoned? I was silent for a minute or two. Then I made up my mind what to say. Roger Ackroyd was not Caroline. <laughs> so usually just like fuck his sister off. But as it's a man asking, he's like, I'm going to tell you the truth, Roger. Oh, I hate men. <laughs> so annoying. I'll tell you the truth, I said. At the time, I had no suspicion whatsoever, but since, well, it was mere idle talk on my sister's part that the first put the idea into my head. Since then, I haven't been able to get it out again. But mind you, I've no foundation whatever for that suspicion. He was poisoned, what? said Ackroyd. Oh. Did you, did you do it? Did you do it? He spoke in a dull, heavy voice. Who by? I asked sharply. His wife. How do you know that? She told me so herself. Ooh. When? Yesterday. My God, yesterday. It seems ten years ago. I waited a minute and then he went on. You understand, Shepherd. I'm telling you this in confidence. It's to go no further. I want your advice. I can't carry the whole weight by, by myself. As I said just now, I don't know what to do. Can you tell me the whole story, I said. Pouring a glass of wine. <laughs> Sit down and tell me everything. I'm so in the dark. I don't understand. <laughs> tell me how it happened. How did Mrs. Farrar's come to make this confession to you? It's like this. Three months ago, I asked Mrs. Farrar's to marry me. Ooh. She refused. Savage. Mm. I asked her again and she consented. She but she refused to allow me to make the engagement public until her year of mourning was up. Fair. Yes, sir, yeah, fair. Yes, sir, I called upon her, pointed out that a year and three weeks had now elapsed. All right, no one likes a kino. Yeah. Um, since her husband's death, and that there could be no further objection to making the engagement public property. Mm, don't like yeah. that it's property. Mm. Um, I had noticed that she had been very strange in her manner for some days. Now suddenly, without the least warning... Sirens going... Ambulance, could you just not die on another road? Jeez! Oh, sake. Try to record a podcast! <laughs> now suddenly. Shut up! Now suddenly, without the least warning, she broke down completely. She she told me everything. Her hatred of her brute of a husband, her growing love for me, and the dreadful means she had taken. Poison! My god, it was murder in cold blood! I saw the repulsion. Sounds fair enough. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Sounds like an ass. Sounds like he, he had it coming. You know, <laughs> some guys just can't hold <laughs> their arsenic. <laughs> Excellent. I saw the repulsion, the horror in Ackroyd's face. So, Mrs. Farrar's must have seen it. Ackroyd is not the type of a great lover who can forgive all for love's sake. He is fundamentally a good citizen. 
all that was sound and wholesome and law abiding in him must have turned from her utterly in that moment of revelation. He's like, ugh, you're totally a murderer. That's such a boner killer. To be fair. To be fair. <laughs> to be fair. I know, we're joking about that. Yeah. Fair. So what happened to your last husband? I poisoned him. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> he was really abusive. Fair, but... but... No. <laughs> so your wife, did she genuinely die from alcoholism then? Yes. Oh, fuck shit. <laughs> <laughs> and I was seeing, you know, the beginnings of our whole bond, so I mm. kind of uh, stung a little that she used that against me. Yeah, literally. Wow. Um... Yes, he went on in a low, monotonous voice. She confessed everything. It seems that there is only one person who has known all along, who has been blackmailing her for a huge sum. It was the strain of that that drove her nearly mad. Who's the man? Whenever they say man, I'm like, man, is it a woman? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, what's going on? But it was a woman. Suddenly, before my eyes, there arose the picture of Ralph Patton and Mrs. Farrar side by side, their heads so close together. I felt a momentary throb of anxiety, supposing, oh, but she... Oh! Oh! But surely that was impossible. I remember the frankness of Ralph's greeting that very afternoon. Absurd! She wouldn't tell me his name, said Ackroyd slowly. As a matter of fact, she didn't actually say that it was a man. But of course, of course, I agreed. It must have been a man. And you've no suspicion at all? For answer... All I'm saying is I bet it was Flora. Totally Flora. Mrs. Ackroyd. She's going around. Oh, Caroline. Or well, literally around. anyone. Yeah. Oh, no, when the murderer comes forward. Ah, oh, vagina. <laughs> yeah, okay, amazing. <laughs> when everyone assumes you're a male murderer. Ah, <laughs> oh, vagina. <laughs> My favourite. groaned and dropped his head into his hands. It can't be, he said. I'm mad even to think of such a thing. No, I won't even admit it to you, the wild suspicion that crossed my mind. Well, go on, yeah, you I know. plant a seed like that. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you this much, though. Something she said made me think that the person in question might be actually among my household. But that can't be so. I must have misunderstood her. It's Flora! <laughs> what did you say to her? I asked. What could I say? She saw, of course, the awful shock it had been to me. And then there was the, the question... What was my duty in the matter? She had made me, you see, an accessory after the fact. She saw all that, I think, quicker than I did. I was stunned, you know. She asked me for 24 hours, made me promise to do nothing till the end of that time. And she steadfastly refused to give me the name of a scoundrel who had been blackmailing her. I suppose she was afraid that I might go straight off and hammer him. Yeah, I bet you would, you dog. And then the fat would have been in the fire as far as she was concerned. Well, no, the cum would have. (laughs) She told me that I should hear from her before 24 hours had passed. My God, I swear to you, Shepherd, that it never entered my head what she meant to do. Suicide! And I drove her to it! No, 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 I said. Don't take an exaggerated view of the things. The responsibility for her death doesn't lie at your door. It doesn't. So, suicide? Murder? Blackmailing? What a dastardly mess. What a dastardly, dastardly hoo-ha. What a hoo-ha we've got here. You know who this story requires? What? This requires a detective with a moustache. <laughs> Two moustaches, depending on your point of view. <laughs> a moustache. A moustache. So, Roger wants revenge on whoever's been blackmailing um, his, his now ex-ex. Ex-ex. <laughs> and, um, yeah, drove her to a suicide. Then Parker returns. Um, but they fucking told him to leave them alone. Yeah. But anyway, Parker comes back in um, with the Evening Post. 
What a fucking surface. Thank you. Well, thanks, Parker. Um, Also, it comes in presented on a silver tray. Beautiful. (laughs) Ridiculous, but amazing. I wish wish my post arrived like that. Do you think even the Queen gets her post on a silver tray? Yes, I think she's a massive cunt. Happy Jubilee, everyone! Yeah, happy fucking Jubilee! Every time you, every time you're having to rebudget because our economy's fucked, just remember that the government's spending billions mm. on an old lady in a hat. Just remember that. Just remember. That. Just remember. Just something, to, just something to think about while you're all <laughs> eating your Union Jack sponge cake, mm-hmm, your Battenbergs. Mm. Anyway, um, anyway, the the letter. So they look at what's in the Evening Post, and it's a letter from Mrs. Farrar's. <gasps> she did. Oh, that's so sad, isn't it? Well, she killed herself, so she knew it was coming. Well, if she did kill herself, that's from her. So, but can you imagine, like, your partner dies, and then you receive a letter from them, like less, like you know, it's clearly been sent before they died, and it's now it's arrived after they've dead. After they've dead. But is it after they dead? Is it going to explain her suicide? Why she done it? Is it going to reveal the blackmail? Oh, that's true. You're <laughs> oh, obviously you planted the seed um, <laughs> because you're the one telling the story, being like, oh, dramatic, and I'm like, oh, that's so sad. That's so sad. Oh, when you saw the handwriting, my love, my darling, my murderous love. Oh. <laughs> um, a musical. Do you want to hear what's in the letter? Oh, go on then. Oh, go on then. Oh, go on then. My dear, my very dear Roger, a life calls for a life. I see that. I saw it in your face this afternoon. So I'm taking the only road open to me. I leave you the punishment of the person who has made my life a hell upon earth from the last year. I did not volunteer for that book. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would not tell you the name this afternoon, but I promise to write it to you now. I have no children or near relations to be spared, so do not fear publicity. If you can, Roger, my very dear Roger, forgive me the wrong I meant to do to you since the time... Um, Forgive me the wrong I meant to do you since when the time came. That's a weird sentence, Mrs. Farrar. It's almost (laughs) as if she was busy. Yeah. I could not do it after all. Ackroyd, his finger on the sheet to turn it over, paused. That's like a whole sheet. (laughs) Yeah, she's got big writing. Shepard, forgive me, but I must read this alone. Fair enough. (laughs) He said unsteadily. It was meant for my eyes and my eyes only. He put the letter in the envelope and laid it on the table. Later. No! When I am alone. No, I cried impulsively. Read it now! <laughs> Literally! Why shepherd us? But no! Like, how could you not read that then and there? You'd be like, can you stand outside for seven seconds? Like, No, he's like, go home, Dr. Shepherd. I, I need to be alone. And Dr. Shepherd's literally like, oh! Or you could confide in me and then we could, uh, you know... Uh, yeah. Have a hug? Yeah, we can work out how we're going to get the scab. And I don't need to do anything rash, Roger. I am a doctor. <laughs> I, I, I am a doctor. I am a doctor. A, a, apparently a shepherd. Yes. Yeah, so, oh, I'm the a, Lord is, I am your shepherd. Yes. Yeah, so, read me the fucking letter. <laughs> so, read me the fucking letter. But then um, it kind of notes that um, once Roger's made his mind about up about something, he just won't budge just because he's stubborn, even if he does change his mind. So, the doctor's like, Thank Fine. you for a lovely evening. Thank you for ruining my life. <laughs> you fucking ass. So um, the doctor goes to leave, fuck's sake. Oh. And right outside the study door, the doctor sees fucking Parker again. Do you not have any work to do, Nick? <laughs> yeah. And so the doctor's God. like, Mr. Ackroyd doesn't want to be disturbed. As you know. Yeah. And Parker is like, oh, yes, quite right. I just thought I heard the bell. And the doctor's like, this was so obviously a lie. I just didn't even bother saying anything. I yeah. just kind of gave him a scathing look. Like, To be fair, off. if I were Parker, I'd be like, 
as if you don't want to know what's in that letter. Yeah, exactly. You want to know just as well. I've heard you plead in the last few minutes. Now, are we going to listen out the door hole together or am I going to have to punch you? <laughs> There's enough room for both of us to lean here, Doctor. Yes. Come on now. So, imagine opening the door after like, seeing them both out like, uh, it was you. <laughs> Run away. So, Parker helps the Doctor on with his coat and the Doctor leaves. Yeah, Parker's like, get the fuck out of here, I'm snooping. <laughs> yeah, literally, let me snoop in peace, Literally, piss off. The village and um, church clock chimes. Shouldn't you have been working? Oh, as if you wouldn't have done exactly <laughs> yeah, the same. Literally. I'm a doctor. <laughs> I'm a fucking doctor. I'm a, a butler great lie. Fuck. I'm a butler. Oh, yeah, well, butler done it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, fuck off. Here's your coat, you prick. <laughs> Get the fuck out. Let me listen. <laughs> the village church, church clock chimes. Sorry. I just imagined Parker to look like Phil Mitchell from his <laughs> <laughs> It's the opposite of him. He's like tall and gaggly, I think. No, he's a ruffian. <laughs> to be fair, I keep making him speak poshly, but he does actually talk really commonly. Yeah, because so, he's like, was if you want to fucking do the same? You want to fucking go? Come on, come on, you <laughs> Okay, that is him from now on. That's how I'm doing him. He's Phil Mitchell. The village church clock chimed nine o'clock as I passed through the lodge gate. I turned to the left towards the village and almost cannoned into a man coming Ooh. in the opposite direction. <gasps> People everywhere around him. Ah. This is the way to Fernley Park, mister, said the stranger in a hoarse voice. I looked at him. He was wearing a hat pulled down. And he looked at me. (laughs) He was wearing a hat pulled down over his eyes and his coat collar turned up. Sorry, why is everyone literally dressing like a suspicious cartoon (laughs) character? (laughs) I could see little or nothing of his face. And he seemed a young fellow. The voice was rough and uneducated. These are the lodge gates here, I said. Thank you, mister, he said. Sorry. why is he? I've just got because did say he was in a trench coat? Pretty much. I just imagine him. He's actually coat like four up. children just sitting on each other's shoulders, trying to make themselves some more grown up. Thank you, Mister. We represent the lollipop juice. The lollipop juice. The Pause and then added quite unnecessarily, I'm a stranger in these parts, you see. <laughs> he is sorry, that is four ch- three children sitting on each other's shoulders trying to be a grown up. Like, he suspects us, do something, do something. I'm a stranger. Literally. <laughs> he went on passing you through know the what gates. This is this is what happened to the boys after they came back from um Lord of the Flies. <laughs> they went weird. This went fucking weird. Um he went on passing through the gates as I turned to look after him. The other thing was that the voice reminded me of someone's... And someone said, child, I saw this morning. (laughs) And I knew. But whose was it? I couldn't think. Ten minutes later, I was at home once more. Caroline was full of curiosity to know why I had returned so early. Yeah. I had to make up a slightly fictitious... Why? I know, because you fucking did. And also, as if Caroline isn't going to find out everything in 20 minutes anyway. Yeah. Just testing if you're lying. Literally. Um, A fictitious account of the evening in order to satisfy her. And I had an uneasy feeling that she saw through the transparent device. Yeah, because she's not a fucking div like you. At 10 o'clock, I rose, yawned, and suggested bed. Caroline acquiesced. Oh, it sounds way too married. Um... Should we go to bed? 
Well, you can. <laughs> you can if you want. We sleep in separate rooms, remember? Like, oh yeah, wink. <laughs> like, I'll be in later, sweetie. Uh, it was Friday night, and on Friday night, I wind the clocks. I did it as what usual. fascinating line. I know. Fri- oh, I can't. We'll say Friday night, and one night he might be doing stuff. Yeah. Like, well, I can possibly go out. I'm winding the clocks. What do you mean the one night he might be doing stuff? He's doing stuff. He's winding the clocks. <laughs> it's a wild oh, one. Sorry, I forgot. He's a GP, so he's every night yeah. off. <laughs> yeah, literally. Um, I did it as usual, whilst Caroline satisfied herself that the servants had locked up the kitchen properly. Yeah. It was a quarter past ten as we went up it the stairs. It took you 15 minutes to wind a fucking clock. Clocks. How many fucking clocks do you have in one hand? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. I had just reached the top when the telephone rang in the hall below. Uh, unacceptable. It was past bedtime. Mrs. Bates, said Caroline immediately. I'm afraid so, I said ruefully. Oh, must be some patient. I ran down the stairs and took up the receiver. What? I said. Savage. Rude. I know. <laughs> That's rude. What? What? To be fair, as a doctor, what? What? And then it's, what? Certainly, I'll come at once. I ran up the stairs, caught up my bag and stuffed a few extra dressings into it. Parker telephoning, I shouted to Caroline. From Fernley. They've just found Roger Ackroyd murdered. They did never saw it I never saw it coming. I mean, who would have guessed it? Who would have guessed it? I never would have thought he would die. Oh my gosh. What could have possibly suggested such a terrible occurrence? So we tried to keep him safe, but Roger has fallen. He is deaded. He um, has been deaded. He has been, he has been unalive. <laughs> he has. So the doctor heads out sharpish to Fernley Park to see. Sorry, what the... he grabs some extra dressings. What for? He's dead. I know. Bless him. <laughs> bless him. As he's stuffing them in. This was pointless. <laughs> this is so so pointless. So the doctor, yeah, he heads out sharply uh, to see what the devil is going on. And to be fair, do- no, calls the doctor. You got the wrong number, mate. <laughs> the door is opened by Parker, the butler, who looks very shocked to see the doctor. Sorry, didn't you just fucking call him? The doctor is asking um, where he, he doesn't say Roger at first, where he is and if the police have been notified. And Parker's just like, what the fuck are you on about? Ooh. Yeah. And the doctor is like, you called me five minutes ago telling me that Mr. Ackroyd is dead, Parker. And Parker is like, no, I fucking didn't. Ooh. And the doctor is like, is this a fucking joke to you? And Parker is like, no, that's not fucking funny. I, I wouldn't do that. No, like, I'm not clever enough to make a joke that funny. <laughs> yeah. That's hysterical. And he's like, I would never make a joke about something so serious. So um, he's like, anyway, I think we've all agreed that we have to go check on Roger now because what the fuck's going on? Yeah. Um, so they go to the study and the door is locked. <gasps> and so Parker bends down to look through the keyhole. Very sort of nimbly, it's noticed. Like, he's used to bending down and looking through keyholes. Oh, I bet. He's used to being on his knees. Like yeah, that. He yeah. And he looks through the keyhole and he can't see through because the key's in the lock. Uh, um, so they basically... Just, it's like, ah, stupid. Yeah, it's too stupid, stupid. So they <laughs> conclude that no one is actually at this end of the house because it's fucking massive. So no one will hear them bashing the door in and will become alarmed. Sorry. Like, we must get in there. Could we bash the door down? No, never mind. Wake people. No, no, don't worry. It's a very large house. No one's at this side. So we won't wake anyone. No, certainly not. Well, okay. off we go then. If we're going to bash the door, if we're going to be gentlemen and not be rude about it. Yeah, like, uh, well, there might be a dead guy in there, so maybe fuck everyone yeah, else. Yeah, literally. So bash it in, they do. Lovely. <laughs> do they do it quietly and with decorum? Yeah, with a little bit of dignity and decorum. And a, and a cup of tea at this last lemon. We, we intend to bash this door down like gentlemen. <laughs> Tally <Tie> her. <laughs> Apologies. <laughs> My bad! <laughs> Literally. After you! <laughs> so 
they bash it open and see Roger is sitting in his chair exactly where the, doc the doctor left him. So judging by the fact they've just bashed the door and he's not responded, he dead, isn't he? We may be having a very deep sleep. A very, very deep sleep. Or he might have been like, I showed you a conversation. Funny. <laughs> yeah, Hello! <to> <laughs> No, he just, the door in. I'm just fucking with you. Um, on closer inspection, they find that he's been stabbed. Way! Stabbing's it. Stabbing's it. What's he got in his pocket? It's a knife. It's a knife. A knife. A knife. <laughs> so he's been stabbed from behind. So it looks Ooh. like foul play. And Parker goes to grab the knife, but the doctor is like, Whoa! No! Just fucking leave it and go and ring the police. And so Parker runs. Like, this out. is a crime scene. Much nothing. <laughs> Parker. <laughs> Parker. Um, the fact that Parker immediately goes to grab the knife. Fingerprint. Anyway, so um, yeah, it's suspicious, but also when's this written? It's like the twenties. Twenties. So it's not like DNA was a big thing then. So you can't understand mm. just being like, ah, take it out, get like, it out to of a here. degree. Like, yeah, I suppose. It's also the same sort of thing. Like I. Is, I don't know. I listen to larger crime. Is this a common knowledge thing? If you get stabbed, you want to keep the knife in. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I think it's common knowledge. Anyway, I think it is. Yeah. Um, so if it's runs... not, if you get stabbed, keep the knife in. That's that's what's holding you all together yeah, at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. The knife becomes you. <laughs> you and the knife are one. So he runs out, and at this point, Raymond and Blunt are passing, and they come in to see what's happening. Oh, no one was at this I, end, end of the house. Sorry. I bet. I bet that Aykroyd wishes Blunt had used his Blunt knife. Yeah. He not been killed, but it was Mr. Sharp. Mr. Sharp the whole time. Um, <laughs> Imagine, like, what's your alibi, Blunt? Well, I'm Blunt. Yeah, so kind of be me. I ain't got no... If I were going to use a weapon, I'd probably use a gun. Yeah. Or a club, such as a Blunt object. Yeah, cricket bat or yeah. some such thing. Crowbar. <laughs> so they come in, and it's a bit of a nasty shock for them. So Blunt tries to grab the knife too, but the doctor is like, no, wait for the police. No, what? Push no. Um, and Raymond starts saying how it must have been a robbery and is anything missing? And um, like literally, he's dead. Is the silver okay? <laughs> like, Sorry, but why is it every dad ever? Yeah, literally. Okay. <laughs> Our friend's just been murdered. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so the doctor is like, robbery why why do we think it's a robbery and raymond is like well it can't be suicide can't stab yourself from behind he's like yeah that yeah, doesn't make good. it a robbery um but anyway um raymond observes that everything appears to be present and correct in the study aside of there being a dead acroid <laughs> <laughs> Everything seems perfectly normal, does it? Does it? Well, not the dead guy. <laughs> not the dead guy. I mean, and Blunt points out that um, the letters from the Evening Post have been dropped on the floor. And yeah, the... he probably dropped them when he got stabbed. When he got stabbed, but then the doctor notices that Mrs. Farrar's letter is missing. So we can kind of deduce whoever the blackmailer is is probably the killer, and that's the motive. So, I want to know what's in the letter. I know. So then Parker returns with the local inspector and the sort of like general questions about the events of the evening leading up to Ackroyd's death. Also, whether the window um, is closed, um, but it's now open. Dun, dun, dun. The one that the doctor closed earlier, and he was like, no, I closed that, he asked me to. Um, the inspector thinks it was most likely a stranger passing, saw the open window, climbed in, saw Ackroyd sleeping, lost their nerve, stabbed him, scarfed. <laughs> Sorry, are these the fucking police from Hot Fuzz? No! Sorry. <laughs> Literally, a crime scene, they're like, it was a stranger passing. They jumped through the window and ran away. I saw oh, that stranger. It was three small children in a trench coat. No. Well, Madeline McCann's parents, Agatha Christie fans. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on, guys. Just admit you drugged her and she died. 
<laughs> Some stranger can you, came can through you the imagine window. imagine if it must have been a stranger? Why are your fingerprints all over the glass? What books were they reading on that holiday? Was it fucking this? There was. There was. <laughs> it's about a doctor. There was a doctor. They're doctors. They were. Sorry, me just whispering. They was a doctor. <laughs> He was a Look, too. guys, the cadaver dog. I don't know why the cadaver dog smelling corpse in their flat and everything wasn't enough. Like, I don't know why that wasn't enough. Like, I'm sorry. I don't think you intentionally killed her, but you did the fucking done it, didn't you? <laughs> you did the fucking done it, didn't you? Like, um, yeah. I don't know if we get her, someone opens a lawsuit, like, no, they did! Like, well, okay, 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 but they did. <laughs> don't come to me for slander. I'm repeating if you're going to go for slander, but other people slander. All I'm saying it doesn't look good. All I'm just saying is, you know, facts. All I'm just saying is show me your library rental list. Yeah. <laughs> All I'm saying is, where's Maddie? She's dead. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anyway. Anyway, so it's not a true crime podcast. So, and the inspector is like, so yeah, obviously just a stranger passing, jumped through the window, stabbed him, went on. It's a standard thing. Has anyone seen any suspicious looking strangers tonight? And the just doctor the is dog. like, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> a little. It was three children. <laughs> In the coat. And he was like, yeah, just as the clock struck nine as I was leaving. Oh, was... and you know the exact time, do you? Oh, because he How heard convenient. the bells dinging as he was coming through sure sure so the sorry as the last person to see him alive supposedly doctor things aren't looking mm, oh. things are a little <laughs> bit suspicious for Don't you suspicious. suspicious so the inspector also gathers that the doctor was the, yeah the last yeah. to see Ackroyd alive at about 10 to 9 mm. and then Raymond adds that he heard Ackroyd talking in his study at half nine um but who was he talking to raymond thought that he was talking to the doctor because he didn't know the doctor had left and the doctor's like no i was home by 9 15 so who was it and then raymond said he overheard a little bit of the conversation so might reveal who he was talking to Mm. um so this is what um roger was heard saying the calls on my purse have been so frequent of late that i fear it impossible for me to exceed your request so it's obviously a conversation about money. Mm. So a formal conversation. It's Ralph. It's Ralph. And he's like, sorry, Val. No, fuck off. Um, so he says um, he thought Roger was chatting to the doctor, but it seemed a really odd thing to say. And that's why it kind of like stuck in his mind. It was like, the doctor's asking Roger for money. Weird. Um, Weird. But we know Ralph wants dollars. So. We do. Um, as there seems to have been a conversation. We know he wants dollars. <laughs> we know it. We know it. I know it. So as there seems to have been a fairly like, in the grand scheme of things, civilised conversation and the window's not forced open, it seems like Roger knew whoever his killer was and even invited him in for a chat. Mm. So at this point, Parker coughs, saying that he saw Miss Flora leaving the study at a quarter to ten and she also told Parker that Roger didn't wish to be disturbed. And um, Par- Par- te- My guess, I'm just putting it out there, obviously I haven't read the book, is Ralph and Flora are actually in love and they're in it together and mm. so they killed him to get the money. Get the money. That's, that's my... That's, that's my suspicion at this point. <laughs> Park was like, I was on my way to bring uh, Roger a uh, whiskey and soda. but He Fl- asked to be left alone! Literally. But Flora intercepted him um, as she left. And the inspector is like, damn, son, how many times someone going to tell thing you is, to leave the man alone? Thing is, even if Flora had said like he wishes to be left alone, Park would just be there like, as if. That's fucking him. And Parker was like, but, 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 I, I, I always bring him soda and whiskey. Like, sure you do. Sure. So I've got to do Miss Phil Mitchell, but but I always bring him his soda and whiskey. Sorry, can you just imagine Phil Mitchell as a butt like Do you want another cake? <laughs> yeah. They're really good. Got a nice bit and of cream on it. Mrs. used vanilla essence. <laughs> lovely, lovely. <laughs> <laughs> I'm scared. I'm Sorry. 
If I ever get married, I want my Hindu to be like a really civilized like English tea, but with and no strippers. But I want Phil Mitchell to be the butler. So not butlers in the bath, but Mitchell butlers. <laughs> I mean, have you had him and Grant? They could do a double act. Thing. Who's Grant? What are you talking about, Grant Mitchell? Who's Grant Mitchell? That's Phil's brother, Ross Kemp. Do you not remember Grant? No. What? I was born in 1998. <laughs> I'm showing you some clips of Grant later. Yes, that is what I want. Grant was like the more delinquent one, kind oh, excellent. of. Excellent. So... Yeah, I want them, but I just want them to be like really intimidating and gruff. But... You want another sandwich? <laughs> yeah. Can I top up your Prosecco? It's pizza. <laughs> yeah, that's what I want. Excellent. Fair, I'm down. I want this. <laughs> so, But I can also be in the bum. As in... In the nude, with the, just their bums out, how they do for that kind of part. Just, you know, uh, anyway, I'm going to stop speaking. <laughs> <laughs> so, they all conclude that they have to question Flora, but they want to question her without those pesky emotions getting in the way. Oh my god! Yeah. I hate men! So they decide not to tell her her uncle is dead, and just tell her there's been a robbery, so that they can have a sensible conversation. Can I just... Uh, I'm going to kill all men. It's fucking hell. So, it's so fucking rude and disrespectful. It's completely unethical. It's and, so fun. And they wouldn't do that to a man. They go, right, chin up. I'm not saying this is much better. Chin up. Your uncle's dead. Where the fuck were you? But no, I mean, yeah, it's not necessarily ethical. But if you need to question someone, they have to. And it's, the family has a fucking right to know. Oh my god, this is like illegal. Um, it's not in America. You can lie to. Um, yeah. You can you can lie to. Not, it's um, entrapment. Mm, yeah, you'd you be can be like, if you don't, you know, like we can soften your deal. If you don't tell us, we're going to go now your family. Yeah, there was like a group of kids, wasn't there? And they, um, the police were pretending they were like a drugs gang or something. Probably, yeah. And um, the policemen were like, if you don't do this drug deal, we will kill you. And Probably, so obviously yeah. the teenagers were like, okay, we'll fucking do it. And they were like, ah, fucking drug dealers. And like, yeah. you were going to kill me. It's also that it's no, it's not legal in the UK anymore because of the Guildford Four. Oh, well done, Guildford Four. Well, yeah, well. Well, well, don't forget racism. (laughs) But because they were, because the reason they confessed was because they were like basically like, oh, we'll kill your family, we'll kill your sister, whatever it is. And that's like, that's um, that's not really ethical, is it? But it's still allowed in America. Anyway, Anyway. at this point in the book, there's like a picture. I'll show it to you now. It's um, a picture. I want to see a picture. I can't, sorry, it's not like reading books to children. I can't see the picture. I can't see the picture. You know what? My eyes are meant to be closed anyway. So. There's a study. I put a picture oh, very of this on, useful. Um, on Instagram. So they bring um, Flora down to interview her in the billiard room. It is literally just across the hallway from her dead oh my uncle. God. And like, they're not telling Sorry, her. Sorry, that's going to fuck you up when yeah. you don't find out. It's really bad. Have you ever seen a dead body? Not in real life on telly. I've seen a body, but I don't know if they were dead. Because sort of, I was driving. I didn't hit them. Because um, <laughs> I was hightailing it out of there. I'm getting out of I drove past a body on the side, obviously with police and I mean, otherwise I would have stopped. Um, but you know, <clears throat> anyway, I was driving. I don't know. Okay. Okay. So Flora says um, uh, that her uncle would seem normal when she spoke to him, and that she couldn't see if the window was open uh, or closed because the curtains were drawn, and that she just gave him a kiss good night and left. And the inspector I asks gave him some couscous. Yeah, nice. some couscous. Uh, and the inspector asks about Roger requesting not to be disturbed, and Flora's like, "Oh yeah, 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 he did." And um, I tell Parker, "Yes, yes, that's." what happened and um leading questions much mm -hmm. and at that point hector blunt wafts in and takes flora's hand and he tells her the upsetting news because he's obviously been like no there's a thing 
Fucking hell, Katie's dog just went and it sounded like someone screaming. <laughs> um, when Marsha reacts, she's like, I just didn't even react because she's been doing it since fucking 5am. Oh, God. Anyway, fucking hell. So, yeah, Blunt comes in and is obviously like, no, fucking ethics. Sorry, Flora, your uncle's dead and yeah. he's been murdered. And Flora is horrified and faints. And so Blunt and the doctor carry her upstairs and then they quickly get Mrs. Ackroyd in and the doctor quickly tells her how to take care of Flora and rushes back downstairs to the men. The men, men, sorting out the mess. Men. Away from the silly fainting women. It's funny this is written by a woman, isn't it? I know. <laughs> silly women. So, but is it written like tongue in cheek, like, and men think this? But then I guess Flora did faint, so. She did faint. Um, oh, but then later there's things of like, did she faint though? Or is she like, shit, they know he's dead. i got to think about my alibi. <laughs> to be fair. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So um, the doctor now is chatting with the inspector again about this stranger, and stranger. the doctor and the doctor thinks about it um, and about the roughness in the stranger's voice and how it sounded really exaggerated, as if he was concealing um, not only his face but also maybe his voice as well, mm. as though hmm, as very suspicious. I mean, and, I actually think it was Ralph, but it was three children. <laughs> yeah. So um, the inspector, who's called Inspector Davis, by the way, um, asks the doctor, um, also, what's going on with all this talk of blackmail? And the doctor is like, mm, "What the fuck told you about that?" Yeah. <laughs> like, what? Um, and basically, uh, he's like, "I've been chatting to Parker, and Parker's been eavesdropping and blabbing, so I know all about um, that. There's been chat about blackmail, but I don't know the details." Um, so, uh, who's talking here? Oh, this is um, the um, inspector talking. Um, nothing more likely. You see, I've been instituting a few inquiries as to what Parker had been doing with himself this evening. To tell the truth, I didn't like his manner. The man knows something. When I began to question him, he got the wind... He, he got the wind up. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> you farted at me. It was disgusting. Like beef and cheese. <laughs> and plumped out some garbled story about blackmail and farts. <laughs> Sexy. I took. Sorry, this is a doctor's segment. I took an instant decision. I'm rather glad you've brought the matter up. I said. I've been trying to decide whether to make a clean breast of things or not. I'm already practically decided to tell you everything, but I was going to wait for a favourable opportunity. You might as well have it now. And oh, that's the, cunning. I know. <laughs> it's not his first rodeo. Yeah, literally. It's like this isn't my first time, but a murder scene. Yeah, murder scene. I've done it all before. Um, and then he kind of like tells him everything that's been going on. Um, most extraordinary story I ever heard, he said, when I'd finished. And you say the letter had completely disappeared? It looks bad. It looks very bad indeed. It gives us what we've been looking for. A motive for the murder. I nodded. I realise that. You say that Mr. Ackroyd hinted at a suspicion he had some member of his household involved. Household's rather an elastic term. You don't think that... Is it? <laughs> you don't think that Parker himself might be the man we're after, I suggested. If someone says household, do you not think it means people are probably living in, live in the house? Probably. It's rather a loose term. What's I suppose more? it could include Ralph, who doesn't really live there anymore. That's true. Um, you don't think, uh, yeah, that Parker did it. Um, it looks very likely. He was obviously listening at the door when you came out. Then Miss Ackroyd came across him later, bent on entering the study. Say he tried again when he was safely out of the way. See, he stabbed Ackroyd, locked the door on the inside. Are you saying this, the doctor? Uh, no, the inspector. Locked the mm. door on the inside, opened the window, got out of the way. So he's um, planting a scene, mm. which, uh, you know, plants a memory. Mm. But yeah. he's only discussing it with the doctor. 
But still. But still. Still. As an inspector, you should know better! Went around to the side door he had previously left open. How's that? There's only one thing against it, I said slowly. It should be like the yeah, the detective being like, no, these are the flaws in that theory. Yeah. Uh, there's only one thing against it, I said slowly. If Ackroyd went on reading that letter as soon as I left, as he intended to do, I don't see him continuing to sit on here and turn things over in his mind for another hour. You don't know what he'd he have, said. He'd have had Parker in at once, accused him then and there, and there would have been a, fi- a fine old uproar. Remember, Ackroyd was a man of choleric temper. So, choleric. choleric temper indeed. So, it doesn't look good for old Parker. <laughs> so, poor, ne- pa- poor Phil Mitchell Parker. I know. Next, their attention is turned to the murder weapon, and the inspector removes it from Roger without touching the handle, and it's an incredibly intricately like, made silver dagger, and then the doctor examines the body. I'll spare you the technical language, I said. We'll keep that for the inquest. The blow was delivered by a right-handed man standing behind him, and the death must have been instantaneous. How can you tell if it's a right-handed person when it's like a stab? Like, I get it when it's almost like... Do you know what I mean? Like... I guess where it is in the neck, so if it's left, it might be more to the left, maybe. But you don't know what angle the person yeah. is standing from behind them. I get it if it was like a front-to-front yeah. attack. You could like... But from the back, it could... I don't know. Maybe the... I was about to say maybe the dagger can only be held in a particular hand because of the curvature of the handle. Maybe. Anyway. Maybe it's the angle of which it's in. It's no st- I, mm. I, I think that's know. a stretch. And also you can't tell it's a man that did it. Yeah, literally. The death must have been instantaneous by the expression on the dead man's face. I should say that the blow was quite unexpected. He may have died without knowing who his assailant was. I'd say he didn't see it coming. Well, probably not. That's probably why they went for the back. Yeah, literally. I... Well, you're worth every penny, Doctor. I don't think... You know what? I don't think he suspected this. Well, probably not. It did happen in his back, so... The inspector then looks at the knife that he's removed carefully and says So he's removed it? Yeah, but he's removed it without touching the handle and he says he can see fingerprints on the handle. Dun, dun, dun. Dun. And that is time. Sorry. Just a genuine question. Can they... So, when did, like, dusting for prints and stuff because I thought it was all like kind of DNA related become a thing Plastic which is Prince has been a thing for like Victorian times really wow yeah if you can find a fingerprint because they like, always knew fingerprints were unique to each person yeah but like I mean I always think because you know if I went and stabbed someone and left a fingerprint without DNA how would they know it was me because it's not like the police have my fingerprint on record no but um, if you say um, someone in your house um Sorry, James. So, say James died, <laughs> and, um, um, and uh, there was a knife in his chest. Yeah. Um, they check my fingerprints. They check your fingerprints. What so, if I just like drove to Glasgow and stabbed some random old lady on the street and then, then ran away? They would just yeah have disembodied fingerprints. I know they do have things like that. They're a mystery. Like there's like even mm. with DNA, they're like we have someone else's DNA on the scene, but it's an unknown person. Yeah, and sometimes you know it could be like you know you might brush it against someone in like the supermarket earlier in the day. Well, yeah, that's the thing when it's like home murders because mm. like your DNA was found on her. Well, yeah, she was my wife. Yeah, so, and we live so... in the same house, so I do touch her. <laughs> yeah, I did touch her. Yeah, when you killed her. <laughs> there you go. And then there's like as well like in the old. Very <gasps> Katie. Oh, well, only... it's a podcast. We're we're just talking like hypothetically. <laughs> they found me. Katie, what about what's on all these specific, specific questions? Why you miss Russell? Like, and which poisons can't be traced? And which ones will never get well? I forgot about this 
Yeah. Mm. She's been quiet. She'll be coming up in the next episode. Ooh. Anyway. Anyway, thank thanks. you for tuning in, everybody. Um, if you've liked what you heard, you can find us over on Instagram. If you really like what you've heard, you can check us out on Patreon. Please and, do. Yeah, please do, please do. And we will be back next week to find out who these pesky fingerprints belong to. And maybe not next week, because that's actually quite a bit further in the book. But yeah. to find out more suspects of this dastardly murder mystery. Thank you. Bye. Bye. For fuck's sake. Bye.